Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR to sign up as AJ loses his mind before the show's even begun. <sighs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You don't just get to start the show giggling and not tell us what that's I, all about. I just, our, our uh, tweets are stacked on top of each other and... It just, just turned out the, like that. Well, our just, yeah, our just the way our approach is, where, where I was like, maybe we'll possibly potentially get into deadline stuff. And, and I'm you're like, like, this is devolving into trade talk. It's happening. It's just going to be trade deadline speculation. It's like, <laughs> great. You can't avoid it. Just accept it. All right. <laughs> Not. Not where we're going to start the day, though. We're going to start the day with uh, the impending battle of the beasts between Team Canada and Team USA and WJC. Uh, it's been a it's been an interesting WJC for both of these teams, I would say. Yeah, they both had pretty surprising losses during group stage play, and then Canada came very close, squeaking it out. Yeah, to losing to the team that beat. USA in group stage play. So, um, but Connor, Connor Bedard rises above all. Uh, he, he is the savior. He's the bailout guy for them. And he is the reason why when you're going, you're looking at tonight's matchup, you're like, there's only one of those guys. So <laughs> I think this would be a phenomenal hockey game if Connor Bedard wasn't involved. But with that guy there, uh, my confidence in the bald eagle flying high tonight is not at an all-time high. Times a bit better, to say the least. Uh, I, it's interesting, and, and we can just start with Bedard here. That guy's doing stuff nobody else has ever done. So it's hard to bet against uh-huh. him at any point, to be honest. He's doing he's doing stuff that have only been done by guys who ended up having like Hall of Fame careers. Hall of Fame careers. So yeah. uh, Jay, prepare your prepare the Ameriballs just in case. <laughs> he and I he and I used to do an avatar points, bet uh, points per- uh, for a long time. So that's what that's from. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to compare his points per game to Peter Forsberg's from the tournament by and far significantly higher. Have you seen Bedard do an interview, too? He is an interesting character. He's very focused, dialed in. It's almost a little scary. Like, it is... It was a difficult interview to watch specifically out of this tournament recently. He had trouble answering the questions. You could tell his head was just not in that interview. It was still in the game. I think it was, like, in between intermission. And he's laser focused. He's going to be a real competitor professionally. I floated the question the other day while we were at the bar. Uh, do you think he'll push McDavid? I think that's, so, but I don't. It's also really, really yeah, hard to be like. an insane <laughs> thing to put on that kid's head. Yeah, like, oh, he's going to. 130-point player. Like. <laughs> Will he have a dry behind beside him? Also true. I don't know. How bad is Edmonton going to be this year? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just, do you just snap trade dry if you get Connor Bedard as Edmonton? I would. Yeah. 
Don't even his, think about it. His contract has crazy value at eight and a half million, and then you're like, hey, we don't need to re-sign these guys. I don't know. Maybe you keep him for the ELC years, and then you just you're just like, screw it. If you can't, I don't know. This, this is a bad games. timeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not. I mean, look, most timelines have Bedard coming out west right now, so it's not exactly. Uh, there's not a good one out there. For yeah, the him, him going out there with like Mason McTavish is one thing, or him going to Chicago where he has nobody at the moment is one thing. But it's it's an entirely different beast for him to go to Edmonton where Drysaitel and, and McDavid already live. At what point is it just too many cooks in Edmonton? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but um, you know, at least then they'd have a real two C and not that bum Nuge. Oh my god, we're still <laughs> fighting about this. We're always gonna fight about this. And they can trade Nuge to the Avs, then it'll be fine. Oh god, please don't. <laughs> anyway, I'd have to spend so much time turning this around, and I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Too much work for you. That's the that's the yeah. real problem here. Yep. Got it. It's not his contractor, his caliber of player, and how he fits. It's it's about me. Well, <laughs> look, as fun as the Bedard conversation is, uh, barring something absurd, he's not going to the Avs. So the the guy to talk about from Colorado in this game is, of course, Sean Barons. We've, we've beat around the bush a little bit. We probably will have some more stuff about him after the tournament is over for Team USA. What, if anything, has this tournament changed for Barons so far? Is he uh, Obviously, he has kind of the, the red carpet rolled out in this organization because he's the only real defensive prospect in it right now. But is this a, is this a free wow. roll for him to, to get an ELC at the end of this season? Chris Romain disrespect is real. Yep. Okay, let's be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Did Megan and I switch bodies? What just happened? <laughs> even even Megan is dunking on your takes right now. Like, Dude, I, you know what? I already feel bad the way that was teed up. No, because no, I just yeah. know what Chris Romain will become, but I feel really bad that I AJ went for the block inside the safety circle and you just slammed it down on his head. That's what just happened. (laughs) I thought I had a homie. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, I'm on an island. All right. I don't hate Chris Chris Romaine. All right. right, Sell me on Chris Romaine then, if you're such a believer. Look, when we go to, when we have the DNVR. Uh, avalanche trip. road trip to go watch Chris Romain play. I'll just go by myself. Fuck y'all. No, I love Omaha. No, you're uninvited now, Beanie. I wrote nice things about him out of uh, rookie or dev camp from the summer. I actually thought he didn't look so out of place among bigger, better, stronger young men. Yeah, I, I like, like I actually do like Chris Romain, and we'll, you know, all jokes aside, we'll see. But um, no, it's not. This is not about him. It's about Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about it's about the guy that could play an NHL game this year. Ooh, I don't know if I'd go that far. This year? Yeah. I mean, I think it would take a couple of things going his way. Um, but I do think that 
it's not out of the realm of possibility that he finishes up his season and, you know, wherever, however far DU goes, will, you know, will have some sort of impact on this as well. Because if they're playing into a national championship game again, then um, because the because the regular season is ending earlier, I don't, I think the chances of that are probably gone. But if they do get eliminated a little earlier, um, and it, and some of it will depend on like where the abs are position wise. Like if they're, if they're comfortable, like they were last year, they could afford to do something like that if they wanted. Um, if they're chasing points and they're in a dog fight, which I think we should probably prepare ourselves for, uh, just given how this is going right now. I, I didn't know that the conversation was going to go this way, but since we're here, I would have said that before you've gotten 15 serviceable games out of Andreas England. Okay. I mean, I think we should circle back around to England. We can get there later. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think he's, he has made himself part of this conversation. Um, we, we, we say this a lot. Uh, Chad is asking who's his, who is the NHL comparison for Sean Barron's, but the guy that you're looking for is Tory Krug. Yep. Seems pretty straightforward. Some pretty, offensive ability, plays with some fire. Yeah. Some very similar size uh, and a willingness to a willingness to mix it up physically despite the lack of size and uh, offensive acumen is a big selling point for both guys. Very smart players. I don't know that he's going to have quite as good a shot as Tory Krug. His shots uh, suspect for sure. Yeah. There's not there's not a lot of goal scoring that's gonna come out of Sean Barron's. He's much more of a puck mover. A weird kind of thing in, in Av's prospects as of late. Kind of can say a similar story about Liam Foodie. Uh Liam Jean Luc, obviously. Uh I always say the wrong brother. I have a knack for that with the foodies, but it's hard it's hard to it's hard to get too excited about Liam Foodie's shot either. And he has a He also has yet. zero NHL goals. <laughs> He was cheated in the global series. <laughs> the only team he almost the has a he goal against. Shot motion. <laughs> but Megan, I, I want to open up Sean Barron's to you, even if there are hopes that he might get an NHL game in the reality of the future of his career long-term is almost certainly with the Eagles. Is he ready for pro hockey? Absolutely. If we're looking at something starting in the Eagles, I wouldn't mind a path similar to what Ben Myers has taken. Ben Myers, obviously, it was different circumstance. The Avs did sit atop the West when his college season finished. So it was the perfect opportunity to roll him out in some NHL games at the end of the regular season. If something like AJ said, similar happens, that would make sense for Barrett's to kind of like they did with Alausen in his rookie debut, see how he stacks up alongside NHL talent. We've talked about the surgical level detail that they're able to apply at the AHL level. And I think Sean would benefit from that first to adjust to the pace because Cronin has talked a lot about how guys come from the NCAA straight to the American League and how he notices a difference um, in the players struggling to match that play, even if they were excellent college players. It's kind of true of Myers. It's been true of guys like Wyatt Amit, who is a defenseman, kind of an interesting comparison. Then for Barons, there will be a huge adjustment 
in pace that needs to happen probably at the AHL level first because the NHL is just ramping that speed up an even higher notch, especially the way the Avs like to play. So for that reason, if it were up to me, I think you would put Barons in the best position to succeed, giving him a little bit of time at the American League level where they actually have pretty good track record with defensemen specifically. England actually is kind of a part of the conversation, but I mean, I don't want to get too carried away with that either, but there are other defensemen who have come through Loveland, even just at smaller or shorter stints that have benefited from their time there. Yeah, definitely a, a fair point. I, we've seen the Avs get serviceable minutes out of how many defensemen over the last year and a half, two years. It's, it's bordering on like 15 or something ridiculous. Now, granted, yeah. it's like two games of Keaton Middleton or whatever, but I mean, they had like 20 games of Dan Renouf or whatever. And, yep. you know, like, remember like Kyle Burroughs was like buried on that depth chart and now he plays every night in Vancouver. Like, also, Sheldon Dries is also on that team. And how the fuck did the Evs lose to these guys already? <laughs> uh, I <clears throat> I do, like, the smart the smart play for this year is, yes, Eagles, Greg Cronin. Um, I thought it was really striking when Brad Hunt, who's been around the block a bit, um, is talking about what a difference maker Greg Cronin has been for him and teaching him certain things defensively. And then Brad Hunt proceeds to immediately play totally passable defense at the NHL level uh, in, in his avalanche stint, where you're like, Okay, he might have his limitations, and he's not playing nearly as well offensively as you would have hoped, but he also has not been a train wreck on defense, uh, which was the fear, is that Brad Hunt was just going to run back the Jacob McDonald experience, and Hunt has been really solid, and again, feels like it feels like we're in a, how quickly can we turn a show into a Greg Cronin pod? <laughs> uh, like a social experiment, but it is a legitimate it is a legitimate boon for this organization right now to have a guy in Cronin that is connecting with the players the way that he is. He's building up that trust, and they're organizationally they're they're they can now sell this on a younger guy who maybe does not want to leave college to go play in the AHL and say, "Look, this guy this guy's got this track record of helping." everybody that comes through that system get better we're not saying you need to play all year in the ahl but you know i do th i do think that getting him into the eagles and getting him into getting him involved in their playoff run you know they're i think they're they the eagles have a pretty good shot this year to make a deepish calder cup run um Sean Barron's as as a boost uh, as a boost to that to that back end, I think would be a big deal. I mean, I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I wanted to add to it. The nice thing about having the HL team fifty five minutes up the road is he has become accustomed to life in Colorado, and it's not a huge transition for him to spend a little bit of time in Loveland, Fort Collins area versus Denver. Like you're not having this huge life change for Sean Barron's and. The other thing is the assistant coaches, Tim Brannon and Aaron Schneekloff, both having experience as professional defensemen with careers in the pro leagues. Um, 
Schneekloff works very closely with the defensemen and has a good track record and is a part of that as well. And you look at the defensemen who left the organization last year, Roland McEwen, Jordan Gross, Dennis Gilbert, they left the organization because they were enticed with better offers because they also had career seasons when they came to Colorado. And I think that is another part to look at and say the organization really does have a pretty good track record when they get their hands on players. It's certainly getting a lot better in the last two years. I, uh, goes. I, I think you could even go back to the start of uh, Cronin's tenure. If, if you look here, his first year, he had Ryan Graves. Okay. You know, yeah. you say maybe, maybe that guy was good anyway. Sure. Also that year had Nick Balash, who has developed into a, a number seven around the NHL, a, a dude who floats around the NHL and, and is, is close in that regard. You go to his next year, he has guys like Callie Rosen and Dan Renouf. Callie Rosen is now a regular-ish NHLer. He's bounced around to a few teams, but regularly pr- plays a decent number of games. Renouf, a little bit more edge, but again, he's gotten borderline NHLers out of a number of different guys. And, you know, how much is that as credit to the abs of, of finding talent? How much is that as Greg Cronin getting the best out of them? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. But in, particularly with defensemen, I think the abs have done a, a very good job of finding these guys. Granted, over the last two years, so many injuries, you know, who you look at the Eagles blue line by the end of the year and you're like, I don't even know who half these guys are. But even then, he gets he gets the most out of the Eagles with with crazy defenses. As he still gets that team to the playoffs, and they still go on deep runs. And that's that's why Barron's leaving college to go join the Eagles postseason run. Yeah, would be would be a thing that's like yes, please. Like that's, um, I think that's my preferred out. <clears throat> I will say I wouldn't like be a hundred percent opposed to a junior year at DU. I don't think uh, I I don't know how much more there is for Barons to do at the level. Um, When you see him at WJCs, you know, and I think that's where I wanted to see him out of out of DU's infrastructure and into WJCs and see what he looked like. Uh, And he's been. He's been a really, he's been really good for USA. Uh, he's been very good at the things that the Avalanche are very good at, and ask from their defensemen, uh, breaking pucks out of their own zone, skating through the neutral zone, transition, 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 and that's where that's where I think Barron's profiles is like a wonderful fit uh, for the Avs. But I am. Not opposed to a third year at DU if, if like that's if he thinks that's the best route for him I'm gonna defer he knows him better than I do but I am curious what you guys feel about the possibility of a third year in college at that program absolutely <laughs> okay T- time out team honestly because Sean as of last year all but said he is going to leave after his sophomore season. I would probably also advocate for another year um, just because I even look at someone like Ben Myers, who, because he spent his full college years in college, I do think that I love 
what college hockey brings to players in terms of pro habits and routine. It instills really good routine in young players that I think sets them up for the next level really well compared to other younger players who do major junior. Um, and that's just my personal opinion. So I don't see the harm in him doing the junior year in a reputable program, really a terrific program, and assuming the responsibility that he because he gets to have a huge responsibility at DU. He gets to eat up minutes on top power play, top pairing. When he goes to the American League, he might be fighting for those minutes a little bit more. I think they're going to work with him on him to get him pretty good reps in a night, but he's going to have to work for those minutes a lot more that a junior year guarantees it. So I obviously wouldn't be opposed if Sean Barron said for himself that he thought that was the best decision. I would be fully in support of that, just looking at the Avs' current decor as it's constructed. His path to being in there as an NHL regular probably allows him to do a junior year of college, and he still is a part of that future plan. Could he do a junior year? For sure. I think I would be a little bit more against it than you guys would be. Number one, right now, DU is a super-duper top-heavy team. They really don't have a ton of great depth on their organization and in their roster right now. And I don't think you need Sean Barons to go into a situation where he absolutely has to be the guy and absolutely has to do everything. Certainly, if you're projecting him down the line into the Avalanche roster, he's never going to be that guy for Colorado. He never has to be the absolute be-all, end-all of anything. You're realistically looking at it. Are you even putting Sean Barron's on a power play for the Colorado Avalanche? And the answer is probably not, depending, you know, is Byram healthy, who's still here with guys like Fontes, whatever. But he just, I would much rather see him get to the professional level, play at that level, understand what it takes to succeed at that level, than do a year where he might be the best defender, maybe one of the most important players on DU, but just doesn't have a ton of talent around him to to work with and play off of. Uh, and beyond that, when it comes to getting Barons into the pro level, I, I think we've established that you feel pretty confident in his development path towards the NHL at this point, if only because... There's nobody else. There is nobody else for the Avs to develop at that position right now. We say that, but again, I would I would point back to the organization's ability to take an Andreas England, who was cast aside by Ottawa, and work with him for a year or two. And Andreas England's right in the heart of his career. This is not Brad Hunt at 34, you know. This is Andreas England's in his 20s, and they've they've worked with that guy in and gotten something out of him so prospect wise yes sean barons is the only guy but he's not going to be the only guy under an any with an nhl deal um and and that's where you know the abs the abs have just been able to make hay there and and that's great and i hope that they can keep doing that but you need to load some longer-term bullets into that gun. Yeah, and I do the junior year thing also. What does Colorado's defense look like? You're having a now. real conversation about Taves, yeah. Yeah, and and you are talking about, um, you know, if he leaves now, he's in training camp next year, setting himself up for either making the team or 
having a good camp where the team is encouraged and is looking for an excuse to bring him back when injuries inevitably pop up. Um, so that's, you know, that is, I think, the harm of a, like, harm of a junior year is you delay that timeline uh, a year. But it's also, like, I don't think it's meaningless. Like, yeah, you're fine with him going and playing another year for the Pios. Um, it's a great program. Uh, they have a, a head coach uh, that, in, a, in a system that has churned out a number of solid defenders in the over the last several years. Like, it's fine. Like, you 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 don't feel bad about that. It's not like he's at like Michigan State or something where you're like, I don't know how this is gonna go. No offense, Michigan State, but. Um, but it's, it is, it is, it does kind of push everything back a year and, um, I'm just not sure how much more development is left for him at that level. I think, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Wyatt Amit is a great example of why it is important to get dropped in the American League. I mean, he finished out his college too, so different example, but he really struggled in his first few games at the end of his college season uh, in the American League, but he started to really change things this season now that he's had more experience under his belt. And I don't know if White Amit has a ceiling as an NHL player, but he has certainly taken a lot of steps forward and has become really important in Loveland's decor that I think it is why Sean Barron's becoming a part of the American League sooner rather than later is important just to become adjusted to that pace because it took a minute for Wyatt Amit to do as much. And the loss of Jaravalov is important in this conversation too. Why Sean Barron's status just elevates that much more um, with where he's positioned in the pipeline because where it does drop off is either someone new coming into the organization like a David Ferrance or someone like a Wyatt Amit who still his upside is it NHL potential. I don't know that I'd feel comfortable saying that right now, but I would feel comfortable saying he's taken a lot of steps forward, and I think he's exceeded expectation in Loveland this season. I'd, a heavy defender. It's just so easy right now for Colorado to fit the guy. The contract limit is not even a conversation for them right now. You go look at their their defensemen, certainly at the AHL level, all four currently playing for the Eagles that are under NHL contract, their contracts are up at the end of the year. Now, three of those are RFAs, but you're having a real conversation about, do you even give Nathan Clearman another contract? Do you even give Keaton Middleton another contract? And you can, if you want to, but it's also the easiest thing in the world to slot Barons into one of those spots as far as contracts are concerned. Uh, the other conversation I would say, we talk about the pace of play, at the professional level a lot. And that is absolutely an adjustment for prospects coming in. I do think it's also important to mark Barons is coming out of the NCAA and going from 35 ish games. If their season goes really, really well to 75 is a big deal. It's a huge jump for college kids to go from this only play on the weekends type schedule to you're playing three, four games a week. I really like accelerated timelines for NCAA kids because of that, getting into the AHL and experiencing that pickup in, in games played. You saw you saw the effect of it last year with Alex Newhook, where he played his first full pro season. Yep. And by the end of it, he was tired. You know, he played double the games. Now, of course, his team went on a cup run where he <laughs> – it's like – 
you're, you're now talking like a triple the games, a <laughs> hundred games here. Um, but it was, uh, it was a noticeable factor for him. So I do think it is, uh, Hey, you get him into pro hockey, you get him extended a little more this year. Uh, and then next year is his kind of, you know, first full pro season with the big schedule and, um, you know, and NHL expectations or whatever next year. But, uh, if you don't, if you don't need him at the NHL level, you're not like breaking down the door, but he can be an option for you. And he's in the HL. I think it all just makes the timeline just works really nicely for everybody involved. And I think that's, that's the smart scenario where we're, where we head. I think. Uh, the, oh, sorry. And, uh, no, say what you got to say. I'm about to do reads. So the role he plays on this world juniors team emulates something more close to what you could probably expect him to emulate in a real professional league right now being a little bit more of the depth player and I think giving him the alternate captain letter in the competition too has been a nice demonstration to the organization of different sides of Barons that you maybe don't see at DU because he is the top pair top power play guy there he's playing a slightly different role in the world junior tournament and still finding ways to be indispensable and I think that is kind of translating to what he's more likely to be when he does make it to the professional leagues and you mentioned the rigor of the schedule but also the size of the competition at the American League level is important for Sean Barons to also get adjusted to because he will be playing among men which is slightly different from what he's seeing in the NCAA right now and because he is a smaller profile guy I think part of what has held him back in his skating has been how well he absorbs contact is because of how firmly rooted he is in the ice, a low center of gravity. But for that reason too, um, I think that he's been working on the mobility in his skating, that there's going to be a transition that happens when he is playing against larger competition at the American League level that you probably want to get him adjusted to sooner rather than later as well, just because he is kind of a compact defenseman. All right. Well, if you want competition playing against some larger competition, get some liquid courage in you with Breck Brew, the official beer of DNVR. Eight different kinds on the tap down at the DNVR bar. Dozens of flavors. Uh, I I don't think I can officially announce the name of their newest beer, but I can definitely tease that there is a new beer coming uh, uh, from Breckenridge Brewery. Doors. It, it's out. If you look hard enough, you can find it out there. So. Go uh, go scour the, the shelves of your local liquor store for the new Breckenridge Brew beer. Uh, go check it out today. Find it. You can use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. Also, what's better than beer and burritos? The B&B combo. Bed and breakfast? Nah. Beer and burritos. That's where it's at. With Illegal Pete's just a couple of blocks down the street from the bar, there are 12 locations in total between Colorado and Arizona where you can get the most delicious burritos you can find. Their queso, it's mint. They have happy hours from 3 to 6 p.m. every day where you can get your margaritas too. So get over to Illegal Pete's. Find yourself some deliciousness top to bottom. Get it. Excuse me. Eat it and enjoy your day. It's that easy with Illegal Pete's. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ's giving weird looks to the camera over there. No, rude. I okay. I got I got Megan bailing on me and what I thought was a safe space, and I got you calling saying that I have a weird face. It's a, it's a tough day for you. This is not my pod. It's a tough day for you. Uh, part of 
wrapping up the Barons conversation, if you are making the argument for the junior year, I could 100% see an argument where you're saying you would like to see that guy put on some more muscle mass. You're always going to want that with a with a small star like that. Like you always want him to be as compact, like Megan said. You want him to be as as built as he can be for the physical rigors of the pro game. And how he holds up to that is going to be one of the things that decides: is this a guy that tops out the AHL, or does he break through and become an NHL regular? Because the his size is the only thing that kept him from being uh, a mid first round pick. If he was if he if he had Justin Barron's size, he would have been a top fifteen pick. And so that's that's the only concern is, um, you know, size wise, is he going to be able to handle this? Fair enough. The question then, and I know we've we've floated out the idea of Sean Barron's as a potential a potential untouchable piece for Colorado. But I want realistic answers here. <laughs> what is there is maybe and the answer, the realistic answer could be no. Honestly, it could be that there is no thing that realistically you'd be willing to give up Barons for. Because, yeah, sure, the, the insane player that you would trade your house for, of course, you'd give up Barons for. But is there a realistic target where you think this guy is actually targetable and is good enough to give up Sean Barons this season? I can't in, I can't answer first because I don't think I'm being rational. <laughs> I would say that the guy that I think where you talk about it's going to cost, but the fit is there um, and the possibility of him re-signing would be there. Um, but I... I would probably do it for Ryan O'Reilly. That is a little piece of me right now that feels betrayed <laughs> by me. <laughs> so since I am under siege today, I might as well just finish me off here. This is I'm done. Taking yourself down at this point. Yeah. But that's because uh, it's not going to be Bo Horvat because there's just the reality here. They cannot afford Bo Horvat in the offseason. Yeah. Yep. The, the the gymnastics that they would have to do to try and afford him would be very painful. Um and very much just not worth it. The the, the cost in the 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 trade itself and then um, trying to bring him back, it just would be a no for Bo Horvat. You're you're paying all of that for Bo Horvat to, to to be part of this run and this run only. And that is a, that is a tough one for me. Um, giving up Sean Barron's for, you know, 15 regular season games of Horvat and then whatever the postseason becomes for me, it just feels I'm super not down with that for right now. O'Reilly's a different case because he is a little bit older, but he's also a guy whose game has never been predicated on, skating ability so as he gets deeper into his 30s re-signing him um brings less risk than other 30 year old guys for me because his physical ability has never been 
what has made him such an effective player. It's been so many hockey smarts. And you go and you look at his on-ice impacts this year, and O'Reilly's points are down, but his play really hasn't taken quite like the massive dip that you would think um, with the point production not being as good. Um, and then, of course, coming back home to Colorado, like it'd be like a click. Hey, we kind of messed this up the first time around. Let's rebuild the bridge and go win a championship together. And you know, so that's sure. that's really the only guy that I could think of off the top of my head where I would say I feel good about that as a fit. Like an ex- it's expensive, but it's a guy that would really fit for you, and it's, it's a guy that it's a guy that that you could have a conversation i mean i I think it's certainly a lot more of a conversation today than it was a week ago before the the injuries hit st louis well and we'll see like the the really like the number one thing in here is the blues have to decide that they're out of course so um you know i'm I'm not worried about no i'm not worried about uh o'reilly in the front office because the majority of the front office has been overhauled since O'Reilly was here. Um, the decision makers are largely different. The, uh, you know, it's just such a different organization than it was uh, than from when O'Reilly left. I, I would say the locker room's a lot more stable too. Yeah, and I mean, there's only it's really like McKinnon, Landeskog, and right now Eric Johnson. Yep. Like I don't, I don't think there are any other holdovers from the locker room. So it's. You're just talking about such a different situation that uh, if there's sour grapes, they would have to be on his side from it because so many of the people that run the Avs uh, had nothing to do with that. All right, Megan, do you have a take that the chat will like more than Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, that was not popular. (laughs) I'm still mulling over the Ryan O'Reilly. I feel like he would hold a bit of a grudge but I also feel like he's different now from what he was when he was in the organization as a person that kind of similar to a Matthew Shane I don't know that those issues for him are the same as they once were but I'm still thinking about honestly Ryan O'Reilly pick a different player in order to make something like that even feasible, obviously it's going to take more than just Sean Barron's, right? It's going to be some kind of package. Yeah. And I'm just sure. trying to imagine what the package is. Because before Sean Barron's enters the equation, have some of the young prospects, the forward prospects, done enough in all the NHL debuts we've seen this year to stand alone a little bit more without bringing Barron's into the equation? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know if... Arata and Alausen or a foodie, a combination of those have become enticing enough to other organizations by themselves that you don't need to put a Barons in the equation. Uh, and that is sort of where my brain is going because I really feel like if the Avs do have to give up assets, they should really protect the defenseman and should look at the forward prospects where they have a little bit more of a surplus. So, I mean, here's where it's at for me at, at a at a trade of the caliber of a Ryan O'Reilly even. If you're giving up Sean Barron's, the first should be off the table. You can't give up both. Yep. I agree. I agree. So, 
if you're getting if you're in in a world where you're getting a a, a stable two C option that you know is going to be able to fill that role for you, and is either signed already or an RFA, you might be able to talk about both. Like that that's a, a situation where you're talking about both, and it's another reason why Bo Horvat is a no go for me because. It would need to be the first. It would need to be Barrett. Right. He's too expensive for a dude that's going to walk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's going to make nine million dollars in the in the offseason. He's he's on pace for like sixty goals right now. Like the guy's having just just an exceptional walk here. Um, it would be like if I'm talking about Barrett's, like there would have to be something else. But I'm not giving St. Louis Barrett's in a first for a thirty. I think O'Reilly's thirty two. Thirty-one. Something like that, yeah. I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not giving both. Turns. Yeah. Turns thirty-two next month. So I'm not. And this Boone Jenner thing remains weird. He's cost efficient, but he's not a two C. Yeah. Um, he's like a. He's like a. He's like a really low end two C. He's signed for a couple of years. Uh, he gets hurt all the time. Like he's JT Comfer. This <laughs> was basically. Oh, he's certainly better than JT Comfer, and he's got the he's got the heart, the soul, the grit. Like he's got a lot of that stuff in him. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's he's been on the come up the last couple of years. Fair enough. And and like like Jenner's a Boone Jenner's like a good player, but I'm I'm telling you, the Avs are not going to go out and get a guy that's signed for three more years. And I guess I have a hard time believing that Columbus is about to trade their captain when they're trying to instill like. This is blue jacket hockey. Like this, this is a guy that's been there for a long time, and he's gonna he's gonna kind of usher in the new era. There's no reason for Columbus to be trying to sell Boone Jenner. Agreed. I <sighs> Kevin Hayes costs seven million dollars, so um, he also I guess can't skate. I'm I'm out pretty out on Kevin Hayes as an option, just. Again, it's seven million dollars, and it's for a long time. Yeah, three. There would be three more years after this one of Kevin Hayes. Yeah, and then the guys that you're saying Sean Barron's is too good of a prospect for, Jonathan Taves, Sean Monahan. No, you're not having Sean Barron's in those conversations. You're not even having a Sean Barron's in an Adam Henry conversation. That's kind of the point of those guys, right? Yeah, is, is that you're not giving up a major asset for a guy that could fill that hole for you? Yeah. Yep. So, look, retaining retaining salary is one thing, but uh, Philadelphia retaining salary on Kevin Hayes for three however, additional years seems yeah. unlikely. Yeah. Teams teams don't just like. I guess I guess the only real example that I could come up with of a team retaining long term on a contract like that is uh, Toronto with Kessel, and that that by the end of that contract it got watered down into yeah. There was a bunch of wackiness going on. Yeah, New Hook's not expendable. I don't I don't care how you feel about I... him. He's he's cheap and he's gonna give you thir- at least thirty points in a season. You need, you need, you need those guys. You can't just look at that guy and say, "Oh, he's he's a bust because he hasn't lived up to, you know, he's not going to score sixty points this year, so he's not worth it or whatever." But 
you DLCs need like that are how you build guys. efficient middle sixes. Like, yeah, you need cheap guys like that who have a lot of RFA years on them. New Hook is really important. Especially if JT Comfort does not. Yeah, could very well walk Make at the end affordable. of the year. affordable. They're going to need options down the center. Even if New Hook is a 2C solution, they're still going to need options there. Dylan Larkin is a guy that, again, I just think he's going to make too much money. Yeah, I would love Dylan Larkin's yeah. fit in Colorado. Stylistically, it's, for sure. He would be picture-perfect fit. Uh, Dylan Larkin, everything you love everything about Dylan Larkin in Colorado, but um, the, cost, the cost would hurt, and you would have to do that with some level of uh, confidence that you're going to get a, a deal with Dylan Larkin. And I don't know how Dylan Larkin asks for less than, you know, like $8 million. Uh, I wouldn't ask for less than that if I were him, but... Yeah. And the, the ads have like $12 million in cap space this, coming up this offseason. Um, they're going to have a really hard time just just making decisions internally. Like... They're gonna have a really hard. They're they're gonna have a really hard time keeping either Evan Rodriguez or JT Gomper. Not not both, either of them. So uh, that's yeah. That's your. It's going to be a struggle this this summer. So when you're talking about a guy that's gonna ask for seven or eight million dollars. At the moment, it's just not going to happen. And I know everybody's favorite pivot is to trade Sam Gerrard away, and that just magically clears up $5 million. But then, okay, if you've traded for, have you included Sean Barron's in a deal going elsewhere so that you can get a 2C and then you clear out money in the Sam Gerrard trade to sign that guy? And then, and then Devon Taves walks. gone at the end of the year, and you have four defensemen now. <laughs> Yeah, well, and then Devon Taves leaves in a year because you can't afford that guy either. And now you have Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram, and you don't have either of Gerard, you don't have either of Barron's, and you better hope you were right about that 2C. And you're on the back half of a Josh Manson deal that might not look great at that point. Yeah, yeah. might not age wonderfully. Uh, and every, every guy that you move out uh, from your NHL lineup, you have to replace. As, as this conversation shifts, we are brought to you by Game Time. You can go to the link down in the description of this video. Over 15 million people have used Game Time to get their tickets to sporting events. You can get prices up to 60% off of face value. So great deals all the way around, obviously to the Avs, but all Colorado sports and all sports across the country. If you're one of our out-of-town fans and the Avs are coming to town, Game Time is a great way to get a ticket you can go to the the link down below it helps us out a little bit it also will take you to the game time app and it'll show you all the seats in the arena what the views look like all of the good stuff so check out game time today and if you're going to the game you might as well put a bet or two down on the game through DraftKings sportsbook when you sign up with a new account using code dnvr all you have to do is bet five dollars on an nhl team to win their next game and they get 150 dollars in free bets if that team does in fact win so get on that get your 150 dollars in free bets and then go bet on honestly whatever you want uh genuinely every sport i've ever heard of exists on DraftKings. sometimes you have to go into the pools sometimes you have to get a little bit creative on, on how you want to make those bets but 
they're out there. You can uh, you can bet on anything. I'm I'm pulling up pools right now to see what absolutely absurd thing that you can bet on. Uh, don't I'm I'm not. There you go. There you go. I don't even know what this is. What is the McBroom Brothers basketball series? Does anybody know what that is? You looked like you knew AJ. Do you? No, who I have no idea. Brothers? Do you know who they are? No idea. I've never heard of this. I'm assuming it's the the Austin McBroom guy. I'm assuming oh, it's that he, guy. Like a YouTuber? I yeah. A, a YouTuber that has been like exposed as his entire life is fake. Uh, yep. Okay. Oh, he should run for Congress. <laughs> Just not going to touch that one. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Sorry, that's bet. just been a really wild story over the last, like, two weeks. It, it has been. You can bet on these random two brothers who are playing, like, a one-on-one -on -one basketball game, it looks like. Oh, look, look, at they got a three-point contest, a dunk contest, an obstacle course. I, you, this is what you can do with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's two random people. You can just bet on uh, up to 10K in prizes because they're doing some basketball thing no. i i don't even know you go over there very hockey guy of you doing some basketball thing <laughs> that's a, that's all i got let's play uh, some basketball <laughs> let's you remember the fergie national anthem gosh that uh, the worst national anthem of all time <laughs> there have been some bad ones i <laughs> didn't mean i hope this isn't controversial but i love i loved jake schroeder but I love the anthem singer at Ball Arena, the woman. Amanda Hawkins? She's yes, good. I think she's really great, too. That was all. I'm really passionate about how good she is at it. I'm okay. really passionate about, about how you guys are at ruining my DraftKings read and not letting me finish it. So I must be 21 or older, Colorado on only, on you guys ruining my DraftKings read. Yeah. <laughs> Other restrictions and conditions apply. See the show notes down below for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I want to get into this conversation, and we don't have to get that deep into it because we're still two months from the deadline. But is there a world where the Avs look at a winger? At this trade deadline, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we've already heard all the we've already heard all the conversations around Patrick Kane uh, oh, yeah. and how the. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I don't mean it. <laughs> of course, AJ's done. Yeah, you guys get out my job. <laughs> I'm done. <sighs> Megan. Is this is this punishment for being sick all week? Is this like you're getting you're making up for lost time? Uh, no, I I do think there is a possibility of a winger, and to be honest with you, Puliyarvi would actually make a lot of sense if the Avs were comfortable with Evan Rodriguez as, as their two C, yeah. because then you are looking at a third line where you're saying, hey, uh, we've got Newhook, we've got Comfort, we've got now Puliyarvi. You know, and then, then your fourth line, you know, Cogliano, Helm, 
uh, O'Connor and somewhere in this mix, Dennis Mulgan, somewhere in this mix, Ben Myers. Um, and you start to feel like, okay, we, we've got a little bit of depth there. So if there is an injury, we've got guys that we are okay with being in the lineup. No longer, no longer guys that, you know, are playing 14 minutes a night. Um, and everybody's in a more appropriate role. So I could see something like that for sure. Um, you're talking more about well in a pool party situation you're talking more about middle six flexibility than anything right yeah that guy's got like three goals this year uh you're probably not putting him in your top six especially where if you're healthy wing is where you're feeling most confident right uh especially with you know uh, with new hook looking better at wing than he has at center uh he's he kind of moves into that depth chart yeah uh, a little more reliably it's. It, I do think it it becomes a little bit tough. It's Obviously, you know, I, I, talent the caliber of Patrick Kane, you don't say no to. But sorting out how to fit winger, it, assuming a world of relative health, sorting out how to fit fit a winger into the Avs roster becomes a little bit tough. I think. I think it it definitely isn't a priority um, in the trade line deadline cut conversations but i could be convinced of the merit of a winger but you're right i don't think it's a priority one thing i'm gonna move past the deadline for the moment one one thing i would be interested in is if they get to the off season and they still have sean barons and they don't have a guy um they don't have a guy that they got at the deadline that they're either going to keep or that they loved or they didn't make a move or whatever. Um, I do wonder about what's happening in Winnipeg with Pierre-Luc Dubois, knowing that the abs made a run at him already when Columbus had him on the block and that he, like, he just may not want to stay in Winnipeg. He's an RFA at the end of this year. He's having a great season. Things are going great for the Jets right now, so it might not be as cut and dry as, like, well, just, you know, everybody's unhappy here. So we're not going to, you know, we're going to trade everybody and get rid of everyone. Now things are vibing and, you know, things are things are moving in a much more positive direction. But that is a 2C situation that I am keeping an eye on where if that guy were to become available, um, uh, I think affording him becomes really, really difficult, as has been the conversation with a lot of these. But. Um, that's a guy that you move Sean Barron's for without second thought. That's that's uh, Sean Barron's and a first round pick for Pierre Luc Dubois. No problem for me. But always been a PLD lover. Well, and and being the two C here, like you know, the the report is that he has his heart set on Montreal. That's there was a lot of that talk over the over the summer, but. Um, He's kind of an odd duck. I don't know how true any of that is. Um, he's he's kind of a I take things day by day kind of guy. So, For uh, sure. but with with him having an RFA year, that's one where you'd be able to get him under contract for next season, doing whatever, and then the cap is definitely going to jump in two seasons. Somebody in chat had mentioned, isn't the cap supposed to take some kind of jump? And. <clears throat> for me, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've heard it's 
it's still likely only going to be a million dollars. If things go very, 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 very well, perfect scenario, it could jump more than that, but still expecting it to be a million dollars. Um, and then over the next couple of years, it will take bigger jumps. And that's where PLD being an RFA, I think would be, uh, would be great because you could get him for a qualifying offer for one year and then you could give him the big extension when the cap goes up next year. And and that's kind of how you would make that work. But um, yeah, that's just a, that's a situation that it's like, I'm keeping an eye on it. We'll see. It, it's again, the reason we don't do these shows very often this far out is because who the hell knows what the NHL looks like at the trade deadline from now. Yeah, totally. Because you you know the the Blues injuries, Tarasenko. You know, somebody just asked in chat, "What about Tarasenko? If he's an option, I I don't really know where he fits for Colorado. What do you ask him to do? Who's, yeah, because uh, that would be like you want Evan Rodriguez on your third line. You want a third line of Newhook, Comfer, Rodriguez, but now you're playing like Landy as your two C, or Rantanen is your 2C to make Tarasenko work. Uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad option. I'm just saying it. that's that's how it would have to work. Otherwise, I, are I you going to put are you going to put Tarasenko next to JT Comfer on your third line? You could I you could almost use him as like a Berkey replacement maybe. At least the shooting side of it. Yeah. And, well, and it would feel kind of wasteful to have him on your second power play unit. For sure, and, and, uh, and I definitely not in a shooter's position. Like, are you from, gonna put him in front of the net where Lekkinen is? Like, it's from, kind of just a. It, I think it'd be. Fit. I think it'd be more interesting than you're making it out to be, but I agree. It, well, like, the fit would be weird when you could go out and get a two C instead. Well, and like, like from a talent perspective, you're not looking at Vlad Tarasenko and going, "We don't need that guy." It's more just like. Again, the the deadline isn't about I'm loading up on as many good players as I can. It's yeah. loading up on right players. Look at our last year's deadline from the Avs was a master class in this. and should be the blueprint that anybody wants to follow moving forward. Go and find guys that fit you. And in the case of a Josh Manson, you think can bring an element that you don't have, but still fit within how you play the game. Because that was always the question with Manson. Stylistically, yeah, he brings that hard-nosed game, but can he play the way the Avs want? And it turned out to be one of the biggest boons for the Avs was that Josh Manson ended up being a great fit and could play that way. So with Tarasenko, it's more just like, where does he go? Um, And then is that a Barron's conversation? Or is that more like a, hey, we'll sell you on Oscar Olauson, winger for winger? We'll get the older guy going into UFA. And we'll give you guys the younger one. Mm, I feel like they're taking foodie. So I feel like of the forwards that other like organizations are interested in, foodie would probably have drawn more interest. But I, I, I don't know that like foodies. I don't think foodies NHL games were so good that he's going to jump over Oscar Olauson as a over the next five years, which one of these guys is better. Um, I think foodie has, this is like a classic, like I think foodie has the higher floor and the lower ceiling, 
whereas it's easier to dream on Olausen scoring 30 goals in the NHL. Jean-Luc Foudy will never do that, but he could be your 3C for you for a really long time, right? the much less bus potential i would say are you gonna dunk on me again megan you cut me (laughs) off aj i wasn't done talking (laughs) your thing nope it's all it's all good i wanted to see a foodie dunk i'm sad now a foodie dunk yeah can foodie dunk there's no way foodie can dunk no No shot (laughs) can olausen dunk No. <laughs> AJ's he's, like, nah, none of these guys could dunk. He's not height. He could probably work towards it. He does have long arms. I don't know how much he can jump, though. Either. And we need to put up a hoop at the DNVR bar just to everyone who comes in has to dunk. Or at least attempt to dunk. Can they still enter if they can't dunk? No. <laughs> banned. I guess I'm banned from the DNVR yeah. bar, too. This I- that's why we have to go through the back. <laughs> Can Megan dunk? Do you have the hops, I Megan? I actually have really long arms. So maybe. I think my arms, like, you know how your wingspan is supposed to be your height? I think my arms are longer than my height. Okay. But then we're definitely, like, 100%. If you can dunk a tiny little Nerf ball, I'm counting it. Cool. I'm not. I'm not asking anyone to palm a basketball because I certainly can't do that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know where this show's gone. Uh, I, I'm. I'm good to get out of here unless you guys have any final thoughts. Yeah, mostly. Mostly. Look, Sean Barons is a big part of the organization. He's their top, arguably their top prospect right now, uh, and I think that moving him would be really difficult. It would it would have to be you'd have to really really believe in the move uh, to pull that trigger because there is nothing behind him. Last year, moving Baron and Hellison at the same time, you were like, "Well, Barons is still there." There's no Barons after that. Uh, there's nobody there. It's Chris Romaine, and not trying to dunk on Chris Romaine, but he's just not the caliber of prospect today that John Barons is. So. It would be really, it would be a really tough loss uh, for the Avs, and I think they should do what they can to not lose him. Okay. I agree. Full send. Keep Sean Barons. Figure it out. Keep We're gonna get out of here. Today. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us. Uh, I know some of you really like the crazy rumor trade nonsense. Keep in mind. We're two months from the deadline, and this is probably all nonsense. Uh, we appreciate all y'all. We are going to get out of here. Game tomorrow. We know you know we got you covered pregame, postgame, watch along. That whole jazz. We hope to see you there. Until then, we'll talk to you on the next one. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.